Zach Wilson, Mike White, Mike LaFleur, and more. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. Today we have our weekly mailbag ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We try to do it on Wednesday each week, although sometimes it moves to Thursday, sometimes it moves to Tuesday. We got a lot of great questions, so let's begin. Our first question, should the Jets offer Mike White a contract extension? He has proven to be a solid backup. Well, here's the thing about that. If I'm Mike White, I'm looking at this situation and I'm saying to myself, you know what? I'm a couple of good games away from getting a big contract in the offseason from somebody. Now, White is a restricted free agent, so the Jets will have options to keep him around. But I don't understand why Mike White would sign a contract right now after the performance he had against Cincinnati and then the game he had against the Colts, albeit abbreviated, he looked really good. And if he continues to perform like that, especially against Buffalo this weekend, he's looking at a pretty big payday in the offseason. And on the flip side, if I'm Mike White, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, well, I already have some good film on my resume. So probably worst case scenario this offseason, I'm going to be paid like a high-end backup. And I presume that if the Jets were to offer a contract right now, it's probably going to be like a high-end backup type deal. So the offer that's on the table right now is probably not going anywhere. However, if I continue to perform, I'm going to make more money. So even getting beyond the questions of how much Mike White's good performances mean and how sustainable these performances are, there's the question of would Mike White be willing to sign a deal? And uh, listen, I don't have any insider information on whether Mike White would be willing to sign a contract extension. But all I can tell you is that if I'm Mike White right now, I'm saying anything the Jets will offer right now, they'll offer at the end of the year. And if I keep playing well, I'm going to improve the contract that I'm going to get. So there's no incentive for me to sign a contract right now. Now, from the Jets' perspective, I'm sure they would like to get Mike White extended as soon as possible, especially if he plays really well against Buffalo this weekend. And from the Jets' perspective, there's no great pressure because, again, he is a restricted free agent, so it's not like White hits the open market. The Jets will at least have some degree of control this offseason. Now, when you're a restricted free agent, essentially the way it works is the team has the opportunity to offer you a one-year contract. Now, if the team does not offer you a one-year contract, you can sign with anybody. You're an unrestricted free agent. The team essentially gives up any control it has over you. But if the team offers you a one-year contract, and there are different levels of one-year contract, a one-year contract worth this amount of money gives you this control, a one-year contract gives you that control. Essentially, if you get offered the one-year contract, that means that you're allowed to go and speak with other teams, and you're allowed to sign an offer sheet. You're allowed to reach a deal with another team, but the Jets have the opportunity to match that deal. And if the Jets do not match that deal and let you go to the other team, the Jets get draft pick compensation, and the quality of the draft pick 
depends on how big the one-year contract they offered you was. And that's called a tender. And once we get to the offseason, you may hear, like, some restricted free agent was offered a tender. That's what they're talking about. It's a one-year contract that essentially gives the team some degree of control. So it's not a total panic situation right now for the Jets with Mike White. It's possible that Mike White continues to play well and the Jets want to keep him around. It's also possible that... Mike White continues to play well and plays so well that even though it costs compensation, another team's willing to pay Mike White big money and the Jets will get a draft pick in return. It's also possible that this was kind of a mirage and White is nothing more than a backup, maybe even less. I think the situation's going to play out a little bit longer, though. Would I be thinking about giving Mike White an extension if I were the Jets? Maybe after this game against Buffalo, but... If I'm Mike White, would I be willing to sign a deal right now? I don't think I would be. I think if I'm Mike White, I'm willing to let this thing play out a little bit longer. Next question. How much has LaFleur's play calling changed with White versus Wilson? I feel like not enough is being made of this as to why Mike White was so good. It seems he has been the recipient of a better called game than Zach ever was. Not to take away from what Mike White has done, but the fact Josh Johnson also came in and did well would indicate LaFleur's adjustments had a lot to do with it. Should this also mean Zach gets the benefit of the doubt when he comes back, would you agree? I think that there are some things that change with Michael LaFleur's play calling under White. Some of them are specific to the players who are at quarterback, some are not. The one thing I think that has improved is the first down passing rate. I actually wrote a big article about this last week on gangreennation.com if you want to check it out. This was prior to the Colts game, so it did not factor any of that into the equation, but I did notice some things that changed with LaFleur calling plays for Mike White versus Zach Wilson. The big thing is the first down passing rate. The NFL is a passing league. And I think that there's a perception among offensive coordinators sometimes that you want to protect a quarterback by being able to run the football effectively. And listen, if you have a great offensive line and you can run the ball like the Colts did on the Jets last Thursday night, by all means, that's a great weapon to utilize. Unfortunately, I think we've seen that the Jets are not a great run-blocking team. And the Jets have a decent running back in Michael Carter, a guy who's looking very promising. You know, if you look at some of the advanced numbers, the Jets' struggles in the run game are not on Carter. And in fact, I think you could make a strong argument that the Jets' run game would be even worse without Carter in there. But this is a team that I think has tried to run the ball too much, in the, especially in the early stages of the game. And it's put them in bad third downs and distances. And I think that's the kind of thing that has hurt Zach. Now, some of the other things I think are more player-specific. Zach likes to throw the ball down the field. And, you know, for as much as I complained about the two tight end sets the Jets have been running, with White in there, you've seen them go away. And it's beginning to make a little bit more sense to me why we've seen so many two tight end sets for the Jets. Zach likes to hold the ball long. He likes to get the ball down the field. That means that it's difficult to spread the field with four receivers because other teams are going to blitz. And if you are spreading the field, you don't have anybody to pick up those blitzes. And that makes it difficult to push the ball down the field because if you, the if the defense blitzes one more guy than the offense blocks, quarterback's going to have to get rid of the ball. So you do need to leave extra guys in if you want to push the ball down the field. And all the numbers suggest Zach likes to hold the ball a long time. He likes to throw the ball down the field. Those two things, by the way, are not mutually exclusive. They actually are connected. If you're throwing the ball down the field, those routes take longer to develop. The quarterback's going to throw the ball further 
the, go- the quarterback's going to hold the ball longer. Whereas White likes to get the ball out quickly. He likes to distribute it. In that situation, spreading the field is a viable strategy because you're just getting the ball out. And that can really help you out if you like to get the ball out quickly because it forces the, the defense to kind of show you its intentions. It's very much more difficult to disguise things for a defense if you have receivers all over the field because somebody has to account for each receiver versus when everybody's in tight, you can kind of hide what you want to do as a defense. You know, is that guy right there a blitzer or is he covering? Much more difficult to do when you spread the field because somebody has to go out and cover a guy who's split out wide. So that's a change that I think might be a little bit more Mike White specific. I don't know that that's necessarily LaFleur changing for the sake of changing. That's LaFleur changing to suit the quarterback he has. Now, I think ultimately, though, improvements on Zach. Zach just has to play better. And, you know, we can talk Josh Johnson. I mean, was that a brilliantly called game by LaFleur? Josh Johnson was okay, but let's be honest. Most of his production came when the game got to 42-10. The game was out of hand. The Colts were willing to trade yards for time. I don't think that anything Josh Johnson did is a reflection on LaFleur. I think it's a reflection of the game situation. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will continue our weekly mailbag. We'll talk about some players who have upside. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about an incredible app everybody who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Again, it's the free GetUpside app promo code touchdown. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Our next question comes from Paul. Much was said this offseason about the Shanahan offense being quarterback friendly. It's also been described as difficult for NFL teams to adopt. To what extent do you attribute the Shanahan system to Mike White's and Josh Johnson's recent good play? Do you think they are better suited than Zach Wilson to execute a LaFleur game plan? Is it unreasonable to believe that LaFleur has turned a corner and Zach Wilson should be expected to improve? Or is his skill set not conducive to the scheme LaFleur is having success with that Mike White and Josh Johnson are running? So lots of questions there from Paul. You know, Paul, I remember over the offseason, there was a joke that some NFL analyst made that insert quarterback's name is a great fit for the Shanahan system. And the joke is that people say that about every single quarterback because it is quote-unquote quarterback friendly. The way I think of it about it being quarterback friendly is how play action is built essentially the offense the passing game tends to be built through play action and the plays look almost identical to each other but there are differences you know you block your for play action the same way you block for an actual run play it confuses the defense it leaves guys open it moves defenders out of the way it creates big passing lanes so that's the context i think of the shanahan offense as quarterback friendly look i think the 
last couple of weeks have been about quarterback play. I think they've been less about the play calling than they've been about quarterback play. You know, what's, what's amazing is how frequently I heard Mike LaFleur's brother, Matt LaFleur, praised for his play calling ability when Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. Now with Jordan Love, not so much. And I see people saying, well, Mike LaFleur called, I'm sorry, Matt LaFleur called a terrible game for Green Bay against Kansas City. Well, did he call a terrible game or did his quarterback change? Mike White's been better than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson just needs to start playing better. He needs to identify open receivers. A number of his interceptions this year have come on plays where he has missed an open receiver that he should have thrown the ball to instead of the guy he did throw the ball to. And on some level, this is all part of the learning process. When I say Mike White has been better than Zach Wilson, that's not saying that Zach Wilson's hopeless as a prospect. Zach Wilson's been having struggles, and on some level, they've been rookie struggles. On some level, they've been things that you'd like to see him be better at even as a rookie but I think there's still a long way to go in Zach Wilson's career ultimately though the offense has been more about quarterback play than it has been about quarterback play calling I think our next question the Jets inadequacies seem to rotate from one position to another back and forth the offensive line stinks and the defensive line is great then it reverses in subsequent games Wilson has mostly trouble White has mostly success the secondary outperforms then it regresses no consistency anywhere on the team from game to game. Is this because the players are young or the coaches are young? Well, the players are young, I think. I think it's more about the players than it is about the coaches. And not only are the players young, I mean, even if we're looking at the talent level on this team, it's not very high. And this is also a sign that your team is not great. The thing you have to remember about the NFL is even the guys who are bad players are still among the best 0.00001% of football players in the world. You have to be really talented to make it in the NFL. Sometimes you hear people say that there's not that big of a difference between a great player and a bad player in this league, and that's true. Now, the great players can produce more consistently. The bad players cannot produce on a consistent basis. They cannot do it week to week. But even a quote-unquote bad player in the NFL has the ability to play well once or twice. They just are not able to sustain it. So it's a sign of the team being young, yes, Young players are inconsistent, and I think there's young talent on this roster. But if you're looking at the Jets roster versus the rest of the league, I mean, it's one of the lower talented rosters. It's not a roster that you look at and say, you know, that should be a playoff team. Heading into the season, expectations were not that this was going to be a playoff team. Expectations were not that this was a team that was going to have a winning record. There are are reasons for that. Sometimes I think we look at teams and we say, well, they're so inconsistent. Well, the reason they're inconsistent is that They just don't really have the talent. Anybody can have one good game in the NFL. It's the great players, the great teams that put them together consistently. Next question. Can you elaborate on what you see with Ashton Davis? Prior to the injury, he was arguably the only answer we had to shut down Darren Waller. Is it Rust adjusting to a new scheme, or does he just lack instincts? Well, I go back to what I just said. You know, he did have a pretty decent game against Darren Waller last year when the Jets played the Raiders, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be a great player. I've seen plenty of guys with the Jets. You know, a guy I've mentioned a couple times this week, Calvin Pryor. People forget his second season, he actually showed some promise. Actually looked like that was on his way to being a pretty good pick after year two, and then year three, Pryor totally regressed. Yeah, I, look, I, I think Davis lacks instincts. I think he doesn't know where to be. I think he takes bad angles. I think that there are moments where he goes for the big hit at his own jet detriment. 
where instead of making a sure tackle, he tries to get on the highlight reel by making a huge hit. And these were the things that I saw when I went back and watched him at Cal. So, I mean, listen, I've got to be honest with you. I did not love this pick when the Jets made it. And so far, I think, outside of maybe that one game with Waller, these are things that have presented themselves in the NFL. Our next question, should the NFL change or eliminate the trade deadline? I don't think they should eliminate it. I mean, I don't think you should have teams making deals at the end of December. But I do think it's a little bit early in the season. I think that maybe they should push it back a month or so so that you can figure out what you need for the stretch run. Maybe you suffer a big injury at the middle of November and you need a player suddenly and now you're out of luck because you can't make a trade for anybody. So I actually would like to see them move it back a little bit. It does seem awfully early to do it around mid-season. I mean, if you look at the other leagues, I don't think any league does it as early. I know baseball, it's at the end of July where you're about two-thirds of the way through the season. So I think they should push it back definitely because this is a month where teams are going to lose players and by the end of the month, they'd wish they could still make a trade. Now, again, I don't think you want to push it back too far. If you push it back too far, you make it kind of ridiculous. The NHL used to have it so late in the season that it was laughable. I mean, you, had, you have teams essentially adding players just for the playoffs. That's essentially what it came down to in the NHL. But I think maybe the end of November would be better than the beginning of November. I think if you push it back a couple weeks, that would be a better system for the NFL. We will conclude our weekly mailbag ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, but before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. They are back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. That's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, you may be getting ready for Jets Bills this weekend, looking for a good snack for the game, and I want to tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever, and if you haven't tried one by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to eat, but a Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious. And there are so many flavors. Coconut raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. I have to tell you, these are really good protein bars. They really do taste like candy bars. They are absolutely delicious. If you're just looking for something that tastes good, you could try Built Bar. And best of all, this month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. And it's promo code LOCKED15, one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com.
Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday, our next question. The run defense was a relative strong point last season, but now it's one of the worst in the league. The defensive line is mostly the same cast as last year, but the linebackers are different. Do you think this extremely undersized linebacker concept is a failed experiment and needs to be rethought, or is there a way to make this defense work with a group of 220 to 230-pound linebackers? Well, let me ask this question. Do you think the defensive line's playing as well as it did last year? I don't. I don't think Quinn and Williams is having as good of a year as he did a year ago. I think John Franklin Myers has regressed over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I watched that game against the Colts. It was unbelievable how badly the Jets were being pushed around. Do I think that last year the Jets' run defense was successful because they had Neville Hewitt versus the guys they have this year? I really don't. You know, we talk about linebackers. I mean, 230 pounds is not extremely undersized for a linebacker in today's NFL. There are plenty of teams running defenses with 230-pound linebackers. I mean, the team the Jets played last weekend, the Colts. Is it a problem that Darius Leonard is 230 pounds? Seems like he's making it work okay. Fred Warner's around 230 pounds. No problem there. Roquan Smith's around 230 pounds. Is that a problem? It's not that uncommon of a thing to have 230-pound linebackers. The Jets' issues are that their defensive line's not playing well. Everything's built around this defensive line, and they are not playing up to their level of talent. That's the issue. I mean, you know, we talked about last year's linebacker. Again, Neville Hewitt, that's the guy who never came off the field for the Jets last year. Now, all due respect to Neville Hewitt, who I think in 2019 and 2020 performed better than you would have expected a career backup to perform when he was pressed into action by injuries. But I don't think that that's the difference right now. And by the way, the linebackers need to play better too. C.J. Mosley has been inconsistent. Jared Davis played horribly against Indianapolis. But the issue is not that they're too small. The issue is that they just need to play better. I I don't see the issue being the size of the linebackers. You know, I see the issue being the defensive line not playing well enough and the linebackers not doing their jobs. And our last question. The Jets secondary seems to have some success while playing zone, but gets burned when going to single high and playing man. Matt Ryan, however, torched them because he knew they were going to be playing zone the whole game. Can they potentially disguise more to switch between man and zone more often and keep quarterbacks guessing, or is this too easily diagnosable by shifting a receiver? Well, there are ways offenses can figure out what you're doing pre-snap. There are also ways to disguise it. I think the issue for the Jets is just more they don't have the corners who can hold up one-on-one. It's tougher to play man than it is to play zone for a corner because... When you're playing man, you have to follow a receiver across the field, whereas when you're playing zone, you just have to cover a small portion of the field. And that's the reason the NFL has really become a zone league. I mean, even the teams that are running a lot of man coverage are only playing man about 50% of the time. So it really is a zone league right now. The issue, I think, is less disguise. I mean, disguise does help maybe an extra second or two that the quarterback has to diagnose what's happening could be the time for the pass rush to get there. But the bigger issue is that the Jets just don't have guys who can hold up one-on-one. And I think to some extent this was by design. I think the Jets wanted to go heavy zone. I think that's the way this system is built. But I, I think the Jets are going to have a tough time if they play too much man because they just don't have guys who can cover one-on-one the way like a Revis did or a Cromarty did a decade ago. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.